What a year. What a decade. What a week. This is way over our heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you? You think we can fit all that in today, I, Jim? I really the hope. The week, the year, the decade. So much to talk about. All right. Very and uh, you and I have not gotten together since uh, right after Christmas, so right. we're catching up on yeah, a we lot are. of stuff here. Yeah, indeed. It's uh, in fact we we had that uh, kind of ice and snow debacle. Yes. And uh, that ended up being a pretty significant event. And, you know, we didn't even get a chance to break that one down. Right. Two weekends ago, uh, actually two weeks ago today. It was just, it was the weekend where in the Twin Cities, everybody was slipping and falling and driving into each other. Well, we're at the Town Hall Lanes in South Minneapolis, and the Vikings game is going on right now. So a couple of things. Number one, this probably speaks volumes about Kenny and me because everybody else is glued to the Vikings game, and here we are talking about the weather. Uh, what does that say, Kenny? <laughs> it, it's, it says that we're not decent by Minnesota standards. That's right. And secondly, uh, because the Vikings game is in progress, we're competing with uh, a lot of noise here. Yeah. So, But you know yeah. what? You'll hear some, hopefully, a lot of cheering. You know, hopefully not so many moans and I, groans. I imagine the cheering is going to be for the things we're saying. I, I we should have so. just said that. Yeah. We should have just said, <laughs> you know, if you hear a lot of cheering, it's because we're taping in front of a live right. audience yes. and we're randomly holding up <laughs> applaud now signs. Exactly. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that, Kenny. Yeah. Well, where to start? Um, you know, we, we said goodbye to a decade. We did. And uh, it was quite a decade. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, with the end of the year, uh, everyone does top this or that, top movies, best songs, biggest trends. Um, and our uh, climate and weather community did a top five for weather events in Minnesota. But the theme for 2019 was definitely precipitation and winter. And we had a brutal cold outbreak, and that ended up being kind of the number one event. January 27th through 31st, where we were legitimately, uh, you know, as cold as we'd been in two to three decades. Uh, All that said, it had... You know, it was tied for the 52nd coldest day on record in the Twin Cities. Wow. So it's not exactly uh, a record-breaking, but it had been a while since we've been that cold. It's still noteworthy because we have quite a history of records here. We've got over a century of... Oh, yeah. Way over a century. Yeah, we have almost 150 years for the temperature That's pretty amazing. So even if it was ranked at, what, 59th, that's still significant. Yeah, but we also broke the... um, We were the wettest wettest year on record for the state as a whole right we had record precipitation in the twin cities in rochester we had record snows in february i mean this was kind of a big you know we had uh we did have some extreme heat in uh in july but that was really kind of just a blink uh it was a year dominated by precipitation and snow and winter stories uh and then at the end of the year we capped it off with this Sort of glaze ice debacle in southern Minnesota and a pretty, you know, respectable winter storm in the northern parts of the state where over a foot of snow fell, uh, you know, areas not far from International Falls and over to Fargo. Uh, from For the decade as a whole, wow. I mean, we really packed a lot of variety into this one. And on one hand, we expect variety in Minnesota. And on the other hand, maybe we don't expect the kind of variety that we had. I mean, we can 
kind of take an honest look at the, the way that the trends had been pointing. Uh, we hadn't really seen severe winters in terms of cold. And we, we kind of got, we got one slam dunk in 2013-14, just an amazing classical winter. But we had shades of it the last two winters also and the winter of 2010-11. So even though our winters warmed a lot during the decade, we had a few instances or several instances of winter kind of making a comeback or trying to make a comeback. But uh, do you remember how we started the decade? What that the big story of 2010 was? 2010 Jim? tornadoes, June of 2010. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, we kind of had this tornado circus uh, with multiple tornadic supercells moving through Minnesota on June 17th. And uh, we, it was, you know, it had been a while since we'd had multiple fatalities from multiple different storms, you know, and, and uh, yeah, this was, uh, the biggest tornado outbreak on record in Minnesota. And it didn't stop there. We kept having tornadoes that summer. So by the end of the summer, you know, with climate change well underway by in 2010, a lot of people were wondering, oh my goodness, are these tornadoes the new normal? Are they gonna push, are they gonna push Minnesota to unseen territory? But the, actually we ended up kind of taking a tornado nap after that and went the whole rest of the decade without even an EF3 tornado. So That's very significant. I know yeah. in your day job <laughs> as a professional climatologist, you've done some research onto that, and actually I attended one of your presentations about the tornado drought. Yeah. And the one thing that really strikes me about the outbreak of tornadoes on June 17th is three of the tornadoes were rated EF4, yeah. which is known as a devastating tornado. Uh, no outbreak since April 30th of 1967 had produced that many EF4 tornadoes in Correct. Minnesota. And isn't it also true in that year, 2010, not only was it a record number of tornadoes for Minnesota that year, but Minnesota actually led the nation in the number of tornadoes, right. which was a first. I mean, what do you think of when you think of tornadoes? Tornado Alley. Yeah, you right. Think of, right, right. Oklahoma right, and right. Kansas and the right. places that we like to laugh about. But yeah, that was Minnesota's year. And so there was a lot of concern. Fortunately, it did not play out the way that uh, some had feared. But yeah, there was some concern that we were going to become the new Tornado Alley. Uh, yeah, another thing is, you know, we had the big event in June of that year with the three F4 tornadoes. There was another F4 in August. So, kind of separate. And, you know, it's unusual. Most years we don't even have one F EF4 tornado. Right. So, to have more than one and then to have more than one day with at least one, uh, that's unusual. That's another one where you probably got to go back a ways before you see something like that. So then we get into 2011. You know, the, the big stories, kind of what everyone was talking about, they're a little harder. They're a little harder at the time because we had a big tornado in Minneapolis that was uh, deadly. And kinda, in May of that year, right. In right. May of that Same year. Same day as the Joplin, Missouri. Correct. Tornado. Yeah. And we had a, kind of a little known straight line wind event in September that produced the state's strongest measured wind speed of 121 miles an hour. Wow in Donaldson in Northwest Minnesota. But you know, when we look back as climatologists, what really stands out was a day, and Jim, I think you and I were actually in a different world. I believe we were outside of what was then Lake Calhoun or Bidet Makaska on this very hot day in July, and we were interviewing people. But on July 19th of 2011, the Twin Cities kind of went into new territory. We set our all-time 
a high heat index record. With 119, we had an 82 degree dew point. Whoa. It was steamy, but that was nothing compared to what happened at Moorhead, where the the dew point hit 88 degrees. And uh, well, that's tropical. I mean, I, that, well, it's beyond yeah, tropical. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's know. not even something yeah. that's common in Florida, yeah. is it? Right. No. Yeah. It's unusual anywhere in the United States. Sure. Anywhere in the world on any given day, it's unusual to see a dew point reading that high. Uh, some further analyses suggested we were in the throes of a very, very moist air mass. You, and that was kind of, that sort of laid the foundation. But it was also the middle of summer. There's a lot of corn in that area. Corn uh, is uh, very effective at this evapotranspiration. Yes, we've talked about that before. Yeah, mm-hmm. and probably contributed a few degrees of additional dew point. But yeah, you know, we haven't been to that place since then. It was another situation where we were all fretting or a lot of people were worried, is this the new, is this what summer's going to be like? We're going to have these days where the heat index is 115, 120. But really, we didn't do that anymore during the decade. Only, the only time we were even close was the same date, July 19th, this past summer, 2019, where we had... uh, 95 degree air temperature and 80 degree dew point. So heat index values around 115, but it did not end up dominating the whole decade. But that was a big story in 2011. We get into 2012, and I don't know, what do you remember about that year? Well, you know, it's interesting. I had to have my memory ticked a little bit by the uh, nice posting at the Department of Natural Resources. And uh, I had kind of forgotten about how warm that winter was, yeah. the winter of 2012. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking about the post at the Minnesota State Climatology Office. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so in 2012, we had started winter already. It had been very warm. Uh, January, within the first week, week and a half, a lot of parts of Minnesota had already been into the 40s or 50s. We had some records. Uh, Really, the whole winter, because November had been very warm, December was very warm, so it already had this kind of bizarre feel. Even when we would get snow on the ground, it would give it a week or two, and it would be gone. And uh, and as we got into March... They're cheering. Yeah, they love it. <laughs> yes, They're like, exactly. talk about warm winters. Uh, when, they got, when we got into March, that's when it really got ridiculous. And, you know... As climatologists, we always wonder how much do we remember and how much do other people remember? That's a hard question to answer because we live so much in right now that it's hard for us to know who remembers March of 2012. But if you were paying attention, if you're someone who gardens, if you're someone who goes outside and just makes basic observations, March of 2012 should stick in your memory. In the Twin Cities, we exceeded 70 degrees i believe it was eight times that winter in wow yeah international falls had a high temperature of 79 degrees wow international the ice inter- box yes. of the nation international falls and it wasn't like the 31st of march it was something like the 19th or the 20th wow and uh, <laughs> it brings back a lot of great memories right? apparently. yes it yes. does people love it when we uh when we had uh we had the earliest 80-degree readings in Rochester and Minneapolis. We had the first 60-degree dew point. So that year was really dominated by the, the extraordinarily warm lack of winter. And then also there were the big floods in Duluth that, uh, you know, the, the kind of famous flood that broke 
the lower part of Duluth and West Duluth and the zoo. Right, right. yes. And, you know, a lot of animals suffered and kind of got Duluth thinking about resiliency in a way that it hadn't before. Yeah, and uh, speaking to climate change and more intense rainfalls, I mean, we're talking about a storm sewer system in Duluth that was not made to accommodate that much precipitation right. in that short yeah. of a time frame. Yeah, so there are kind of famous images now from the Brewery Creek area where, you know, basically the infrastructure looked like it had exploded. I mean, it's just, you know, massive torrents of water uh, pouring forth. So then we get to 2013, and that was kind of the first year where winter really sort of made a late comeback. Uh, nobody cared much about winter through January. It was not doing much of interest. But then from January or from February through April, it, it turned it on. Uh, Duluth had over 95 inches of snow. That's again just from February to April. That's not even including the rest of the winter. And uh, about 50 inches in April. So kind of late breaking winter. We had some ice storms. We ended up with really late ice outs on Minnesota lakes. A lot of a lot of records set. So you know, uh, one winter earlier we had some of the some of the earliest ice outs on Minnesota lakes. And then we just go into 2013 and you have some of the latest. What a difference a year makes. Yeah. And that kind of primed us, Jim, for the next winter. Do you remember the 2013-14 winter? I think you got frostbite that winter. Yeah, it was February of uh, 14. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it well, shipping an ice dam off of my roof. Yes. Yeah, I was shooting... Not to be forgotten. I was shooting a documentary uh, that you, winter and... You picked a great winter to yeah, shoot a documentary. It was about winter, so it worked. Yeah, yeah. The, other guy was working with Alec Johnson and I. We both just about lost our fingers that winter because <laughs> so much time you're spending outside, right. you know, unscrewing microphone heads and and you have to have your fingers exposed. Right, no gloves. That winter was uh, kind of six months of winter in a way that we had not had in a long time. We had in northern Minnesota there was uh, up to and slightly over a hundred days where the temperature fell to zero or lower. And uh, even in the Twin Cities, we did that about 53 times. So very cold winter, deep snows. Then not much happened. 2015, probably the biggest story in 2015 was the lack of interesting weather. It was was real nice. Except it was a glorious June. It was a glorious. Highest on the glorious scale. Yeah. The glory scale. Yeah, the the summer glory index. Yep. So it was a beautiful June, but nobody remembers beautiful weather for some reason. Sadly, yes. Yeah. yeah. So you talk about a lot of these things, and people have memories that they can feel. <laughs> and they, they maybe even have trauma. But True. 2015, we didn't have much of that. It was a really warm uh, fall after that beautiful summer. And uh, we were kind of, eh, you know, fair to Midland for precipitation. There was no severe drought. There were no big, huge floods anyway. The severe weather was kind of limited. The winter weather was pretty limited. And you end up with, you know, at the time, record agricultural yields. And 2016 was a big uh, stormy year with a lot of thunderstorms. At the time, Wasika set the record for most rainfall or most precipitation ever recorded in Minnesota. Uh, That was going to be, that ended up being broken two years later. I'd say 2017. Do you remember March of that year? Yes. As a matter of fact, I think somewhere on my phone there is a photo of tulips emerging <laughs> in, in late March wow. of 2017. Wow. Yes. Yeah. We yeah. got off the to The buds a... emerged in late February. I saw oh. the first growth coming oh, up through the soil. Oh, that makes perfect sense yep. because 
uh, in the mid to late part of February that year, we had a historic warm spell with temperatures shooting into the 60s across much of Minnesota. February. Now, I didn't wow. say March. No, no, February. No, no. <laughs> and then in early March, we had the earliest tornadoes we'd ever recorded in Minnesota on March That's 6th. right. Yes. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Then we get into 2018 and probably the big story of that. Do you remember the Thunder Blizzard? That one I don't, Kenny. Wow, really? Okay. Kind of so surprised. This, this kind of makes yep, us this it. makes us scratch our heads a little bit because we think this sticks in everyone's head. This was mid-April. We had uh, a very powerful storm system move through the Midwest, and it began with severe thunderstorms in southwest Minnesota, and then this, these sort of waves of heavy snow. But the climax was on April 14th on Saturday morning when full-on blizzard conditions marched right into the heart of the Twin Cities. And it was the first time since the Halloween blizzard that the National Weather Service had issued a blizzard warning for the inner cities. Wow, yeah. that's a long time Yeah, a long time, and warnings. it shows a pretty rare event. Yes. Uh, you know, whiteout conditions in Minneapolis and St. Paul. We ended up with, you know, about 15, 16, 17 inches, depending on where you were. But this was also a regional winter storm. It affected Duluth. It affected northwest Wisconsin. It affected Rochester. It affected Mankato. It was a doozy. And uh, it led to a lot of stations, including Minneapolis, St. Paul, breaking their all-time April snowfall record. Uh, We ended up with, I think, 25 inches that month. That wasn't even our only big snowstorm. We had a nine-incher at the beginning of the month. There was an encore performance, yes. uh, A prequel. (laughs) Prequel, 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 earlier yes. in the month. Correct, yep. And then we get into last year where we, uh, and also I suppose in 2018 we should mention that's when Harmony in southeast Minnesota set what is now the all-time precipitation record by getting over 60 inches of precipitation. And that brings us to last year, which we just summarized. Right. We had the cold outbreak, the heavy snows in February, and then we had the heat and the heavy precipitation throughout the year. There we are. What a decade. What a year. So you it want to talk incredible. about the week? Yeah, let's talk about the week, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it's not going to be memorable for most people. But you might think it is while it's happening. It's one of those okay. things where, you know, everything in front of us seems so important right then. And then it, you go a few weeks on and it's forgotten. Uh, I don't see, until maybe the end of the week, I don't see any really big winter storms. But between Sunday and Thursday morning, there will probably be three different accumulating snowfalls, especially uh, kind of east of, I would say, east of St. Cloud, basically, covering the eastern half or so of Minnesota, especially Twin Cities, uh, Rochester, hitting Duluth, and then into parts of Wisconsin. You know, none of these look like big snowfalls. One to three, two to four inches with each one. But again, by Thursday morning, some places might have, you know, a fresh new blanket of eight, nine, ten inches of snow. And the temperatures are going to drop a little bit. Uh, we've had one of the models kind of bullishly insisting that there's going to be some phenomenal cold behind one of these systems so that with a really cold Wednesday and Thursday morning. But honestly, I'm not seeing it, Jim. It looks to me like... Uh, just some kind of run-of-the-mill January cold with temperatures falling below zero, some wind chills in the negative 20s, maybe negative 30s in northern Minnesota. Uh, but there is some deep, deep cold air just off to our north. 
And what we can't tell is, you know, is, is that going to get tapped into by one of these cold fronts in the next week or two? Or is it just going to get pushed back to the north? Since we're heading towards mid and then late January, history is on the side of that cold air making a plunge southward. So we'll have to see. Is this traditionally the coldest part of winter right yeah, now? Basically the second half of January. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So That's we're, where you, we're getting there. Yeah. yeah. Basically the 15th through the 25th. It's kind of where you see it really bottom out. And then everything starts coming up. You know? So I got to tell you something. We yeah. talked before about the psychology of weather yeah. and how people view weather. So I've heard something I've never heard before. A friend of mine's wife has declared that February, at least in her mind, is the beginning of psychological spring. We know March is the beginning of meteorological spring, but she has psychological spring. And she, she basically bases it on the following that we've seen since the winter solstice, the increase in daylight hours. We will see at the beginning of February, the end of the coldest part of winter, so mm. things are warming up. So yeah. she really believes that kind of February 1st is the beginning of the, of the hope of spring. Well, I, I, I don't disagree in that if you get a 40 or 50 degree day in February, it's shorts everywhere. I mean, people will start bringing out their spring wardrobe right you'll see people working outside on the other hand if it's kind of a typical february um i think that that's not how people experience it when uh when i've talked to people who maybe don't follow the weather as closely as you do and they're not professional meteorologists or climatologists I see a pretty strong tendency for people to think that February is our coldest and most wintry month. Even though it's January by a landslide, I think psychologically, if winter's, you know, February is kind of your third month of winter, and if you're already kind of done with it, and I think it tends to feel longer for a lot of people. So. I'd love to talk to your friend about this psychological spring because I also think that for some people, February marks kind of the psychological depths of winter and that, the, and that it sort of turns after that. Okay. Uh, and I, I'm guessing it, this lies obviously not in the realm of necessarily of reality, but, a, but of perception. How people perceive yeah. it, yes. We, right. see, we find the same thing with August. July is by far our hottest month. But people will swear up and down that August is hotter. Interesting. And I think it's that after a decently hot summer, you're done with it in August, and you can't bear as much as you could in July. <laughs> well, Kenny, I know you love winter. I know that for a fact. I do. You know that I'm not as much of a fan I as winter as you are. I know that also, and yet here we are. Yes. We, <laughs> but, <laughs> we but still carry on <laughs> exactly. amicably. We, we can agree to disagree. Yeah, sure. Yes, Even though yes. you're wrong. <laughs> But one thing, here, here's where my psychological viewpoint of the weather comes into play, is I view the bleakest time of the year is from right after Halloween until Thanksgiving. Because at that point, uh, by the time Halloween rolls around, for the most part, we've lost our fall color. Yeah. Most of the leaves have fallen. Uh, we're seeing you know, diminishing daylight, and right. then suddenly we turn the clocks back in early November. And I will tell you, psychologically for me, the worst time of the year is that period between Halloween, because I love Halloween, 
We okay. love giving out candy. We love trick or treaters. Plus, it's kind of a cult. It's and you kind like, of a cult. And you like yep. those occult <laughs> celebrations. <laughs> sure. Occult, yes. Not, occult. Cult, not a yeah. cult, but occult. an occult. Yes, occult. Occult. And uh, I actually, from Thanksgiving on, start, I mean, the it's kind of like hope eternal comes back to me. Because mm. even though I know the days are going to get shorter until the winter solstice, I guess, you know, you see uh, all the holiday lights coming out. There's kind of a feeling of renewal. But to me, that period between Halloween and Thanksgiving is kind of where everything dies. Yeah, it and, and, and sometimes it doesn't even snow. So, right. I so mean, all we gray. see is death. We yeah. see gray. Oh. And, and even snow brings see, light. Here comes the occult right. side. Of- exactly. If there's <laughs> moonlight, I mean, it looks, yeah. it, it just, it brightens things up. No, it's, I mean, I think that's what people, you know, when we were doing the documentary and people would tell us what they liked about winter, it was really that early part of winter. We heard pretty loudly and clearly that get to January or especially February, people are done. But... Now, some of it's probably anticipation from the holidays, but, you know, in December, if it behaves like a typical December, you've got a pretty fresh and new-looking snowpack. And, and, you know, and with the low light, when the sun does hit it, it's very reflective. Yes. And I think that... Albedo. Yeah, the albedo. Yeah, we got it. We'll have to talk about, yes. And so even if the skies are gray, you know, that, that kind of fresh blanket of white snow... I think provides some visual contrast for for folks that they can tolerate. But you're right, uh, a cloudy day in autumn, while you've got sort of earth tone, everything, right? You've got the mud on the ground, all the grass has turned brown or yellow, the leaves have fallen, they're brown. Right, there's nothing bright. Right, yeah, and and, and then if you have a gray sky over that, and then, of course, we we can't forget gray pavement. Yes. Everywhere. I mean, it's, it's an so, asphalt world here yeah, it in really, it Minneapolis. Is. And if you look yes. over to the skyline, you know, what color is it? It's kind of grayish. Right, right. And so, yeah, I, I, I've heur- heard people express that before, and it doesn't hurt the perception that it's also a naturally very cloudy time. Right. Where, November, the cloudiest month of the year? You know, I, that, I, I can't pretend to know it okay. off the top of my head, but okay. I believe you're right. But we've had stories that we've had to work on as climatologists about, you know, unusually gloomy late Octobers, Novembers, and Decembers. And they are typically pretty cloudy times because uh, along, with, along with kind of the end of winter, because you've got so much moisture and the temperatures are falling and so you tend to have high relative humidity and that just lends itself to a lot of clouds. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, a couple more things. We have just about three minutes left here. One thing we'd be remiss in not talking about is this is the 45th anniversary, January 10th through 12th, 1975, of what was at the time called the Storm Storm of of the the Century. Century. I was a a wee mite at the time. (laughs) I was... uh, Gosh, I was one and a half. So my memory of it's a little foggy. Do you have, do you have recollection yes, of that? Yes, I was a senior in high school, okay. and the reason why I remember it, in my 13 years of attendance at Minneapolis Public Schools, kindergarten through 12th grade, it was only the second time 
that the Minneapolis public schools ever closed because of the weather. Now, we know things have changed, but yeah, back yeah. in those days, Yeah, we don't just we let kids bus. die at the I mean, bus stop right, anymore. Right, right, well, yeah, yeah. And, and there were there were no bus stops. I mean, right. we oh. well, we walked, you know, getting uphill in a blizzard. <laughs> of course you, know? you did. But, but, yes. but that was what was so memorable about it. And I, I remember actually having my transistor radio with the little earphone in my ear waiting for the word that the Minneapolis schools would be closed. And in the wee hours of the morning, I heard the great now, news. Was, here's a, was it a story while it was happening, or was it a story after? It was more of a story after it was happening. And I think, Kenny, if we want to look back at how media and communications were back in 1975, we, of course, had no internet, no social media. So we really didn't hear a lot about what was happening until after it had happened. There wasn't a lot of contemporaneous reporting. This was reporting. the Super Bowl blizzard? That would have been about the right timing. Yes, yeah. I can't remember. I think, I think, it, I think it, it, it was concurrent Coincided with, with, the, with Super the, the Super Bowl. Yes. But um, all I remember is how windy it was, how mm. blizzardy it was, even in the Twin Cities. And you, we talked about that yeah. earlier, about how rare that is. That is, is. rare. And, uh, you know, but later we heard all of the news. I mean, massive drifts, drifts up, you know, topping off on some utility poles, 35 storm-related deaths. I mean, definitely a deadly blizzard. And many, many, many power outages throughout the entire state. Uh, But, yeah. um, And the other interesting thing about this is I noticed the National Weather Service was praised for its accurate weather forecasting. And we know 45 years ago, forecasting the state of the art was nowhere near what it is now. Yeah, that's correct. I suppose on one hand, it was a a typical kind of Colorado low, classic low pressure system coming out of the Southwest. But yeah, uh, I've only read about it and heard about it and heard some stories. And yeah, 35 uh, weather-related fatalities is uh, a lot, yes. Yeah, we'll have to talk in a couple weeks, when we get to February 3rd, 4th, uh, we can talk about the Wall of White blizzard from 1984. Oh, that interesting. Affected... Apparently that evokes great memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that, that affected uh, western and southwestern Minnesota. But that was probably the biggest winter-related single event of the 1980s which is saying something because the 1980s was filled with winter-related weather events. Right. I remember I mean, was... 82, 83, particularly oh, yeah. very, very. Oh, we busted tough the Metrodome yeah. a bunch of times oh, in yes. the 80s yeah, from yeah. heavy snow. We had, uh, oh yeah, we had uh, 17 inches of snow in January of 1982, and 17 inches of snow two days later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we did things that, you know. Are, Hard, hard to compete with, but that was the biggest storm event of the of the 80s, well, so we'll have to recap absolutely. that. And I remember vividly sleeping on the floor of the radio station that I was working at at the time to cover that particular event. So that okay. was kind of, I remember taking my sleeping bag, driving wow. in very bad conditions, but getting out to the station. And uh, yeah, so those bring back a lot of memories. The final thing we need to talk about, we don't have a lot of time here, but we need to talk about what's happening in Australia. Yes. And I mean, right. unbelievable. You see the satellite imagery of these fires. A billion animals have died. Yeah, the koalas. It's it, entire species yeah. may be wiped out. But what really struck me about it is a weather phenomenon that is happening, pyrocumulonimbus, yeah. and how they're triggering 
more lightning, more lightning. that is actually lighting more fires. Yeah, it's uh, not fair, but cumulus clouds and cumulonimbus clouds are formed by heat rising, and then as the heat rises, it cools and eventually condenses. So fires are obviously extremely hot, so you've got a lot of rising heat, and you have a lot of ability for that heat to eventually cool and condense. And in fact, the, the hot fires almost guarantee the kind of instability that you need. And But these, these don't produce a tremendous amount of precipitation, and a lot of the precipitation just evaporates right back into the fire. But what they do produce, because these clouds can get 40,000 feet tall, they do produce lightning. And yeah, that is not fair, is it? And it isn't. What's the correct estimate of the size of the fire? If you were to, I've, I've read different estimates, but if you were to slam all the fires together, it's the size of a smaller U.S. state. Oh, it is, yeah. What, now, I've heard, I've read Delaware, I've read West Virginia, I've read Iowa, but these are, and this it's is a massive, 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 and a much larger scale than we saw in California, and those fires were getting on to be almost incomprehensible. Uh, this is not something, I mean, you know, I'm, we've heard the officials in the Australian government who don't really have their heads on straight about some of the risks of the changing climate. But, you know, a lot of times when something bad happens, it's our instinct to say, well, well, this has happened before. And we, we really can't know the extent of Australian wildfires before there was a large population living right, in right. Australia. Much but, less satellites. Yeah. yeah. But we can say that since Australia has been, a you know, uh, at... at from its penal colony stayed on. Yes, this is probably thank you. You put that about as well as yes. could be. This is not something Australia's ever seen. Right, it's not right. something we've seen in the United States either. No. And, you know, to the extent that this kind of thing could happen in the semi-arid regions of the United States, I think we've got a really good example of what that looks like now. Right. And, you know, you think that, you think you can, you can sort of wiggle your way out of these things, but there are people in the middle and upper middle class who are trapped. If you haven't, by the way, anybody listening, if you haven't checked into this story of wildfires in Australia, it's, you know, you can pick your own adjective. It's quite impressive, however, what the fires are doing. I mean, they are, people are unfortunately homeless and don't have anywhere to go because they are trapped by the fires. So there's people living on beaches because the fire's raging in the forest and they're basically stuck between the ocean right. and uh, and wherever it was that they used to live. The only point of refuge. Yeah. So it is really something else. Uh, if you want to see sort of the uh, integrated Earth atmosphere system in a full rage, boy, Australia is doing it right now. Wow. Yeah. Well, in a nutshell, what can we look forward to uh, in the weekend? A relatively tame week compared to that. Right. I mean, my yes, goodness. No kidding. Uh, probably a couple traffic nightmares in the Twin Cities, but we have a low tolerance for, for that, and we just, it's easy to break the Twin Cities. Right. Uh, two to three accumulating snowfall events in most of Minnesota, especially the eastern part, uh, between Sunday and Wednesday. Uh, you know, but by the time you get to Wednesday, Thursday, there could be places with eight inches of snow on the ground, even though none of those snowfall events are going to deliver that much snow, two to three inches at a time. On Friday, we could have a more potent system come through. We'll have to see. Meanwhile, temperatures are going to drop. We're going to have some sub-zero conditions and some wind chills to deal with uh, in the middle of the week. 
but psychological spring beckons. So yeah, we'll, sure. we'll hang on to that. Sure, it does. It's right around the corner. Right. right. <laughs> and, and then the real spring will arrive sometime exactly. between late February and June. Good point, yes. Kenny. This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. We're here at Town Hall Lanes in South Minneapolis, the Vikings game in progress. It is Saturday, the 11th of January. Kenny, have a wonderful week, and we'll reconvene about a week from today. Sure. You have a good week, too. Thanks so much, Jim.